welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the Oh Good. It's been a minute since we talked about nuclear stuff. Glad we're back at it. Edition today is <laughs> episode 159, Three Mile Island Disaster Caused by So Many Fuck-Ups, and What's Making German Wild Boars Radioactive. My friends, I've lost count of the number of times I've said the words whoopsie-daisy on this show. I mean, for the numerous breathtaking discoveries and accomplishments humankind makes, there's an equal number of shocking clusterfucks created by human error. Case in point, in the first half of the show, we're going to travel back to an era when the 24-hour news cycle was nowhere near a possibility, and you got your daily intake of current events at a scheduled time for a specific allotted amount of time, like 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., for example. That was it. It was glorious. And because the news was condensed, you might hear anchors stressing the importance of an event in a way like the following. Here's a quote from journalist Walter Cronkite, who served as anchorman for the CBS Evening News for 19 years. Quote, The world has never known a day quite like today. It faced the considerable uncertainties and dangers of the worst nuclear power plant accident of the atomic age. And the horror tonight is that it could get much worse, end quote. Did, uh, did you not just shit your pants? Because <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did too. Happy spooky season, everyone. Uh, my friends, that extremely effective blurb was not about Chernobyl, but an incident that took place before Chernobyl, and it occurred on the East Coast of the United States just 44 years ago. We're going to cover what's been dubbed the Three Mile Island Disaster, and there's a really good chance a lot of you out there already know what it's about. But what you may not know are these series of face-palming moments which occurred behind the scenes, which made this bad situation worse. And I can't wait to tell you about them. <laughs> then after the break, what else but Bavarian wild boars, of course, uh, my friends. These porky cutie poos located in the southern area of Germany have been found to be, you guessed it, radioactive. They're not spider pigs, nor do they have any webs coming out of any orifice. They're just radioactive animals. And uh, this has been puzzling scientists for decades. And just like the scientists, you may be asking, why? Why the fuck are they radioactive? How? How the fuck are they radioactive? Well, <laughs> I know, don't worry. Well, maybe you should. But we're going to answer those questions today. In the meantime, I'm Jill Chacha, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the flock, my glowing business goose. To begin, we're going to teleport our cute asses into every American living room in the early evening of March 28, 1979. And we're staring into the only television in, in the house tuned to the national broadcast of ABC News. After a long day of picketing for a union at their factory job or smoking at a high school, a family would have heard this at the start of the program. Here we go. For many years, there has been a vigorous debate in this country about the safety of the nation's 72 nuclear energy power plants. That debate is likely to be intensified because of what happened early this morning at a nuclear power plant in Pennsylvania. Max? Frank, it was an accident at the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant, which is located on an island in the Susquehanna River, 10 miles from Harrisburg. A cooling pump broke down, and the plant did just what it was supposed to do, shut itself off. But not before some radioactivity had escaped. 
We have two reports. First, Bettina Gregory. It happened at the number two generator about four o'clock this morning. Something caused the secondary cooling system to fail. It shut off the reactor, but heat and pressure built up, and some radioactive steam escaped into the building housing the reactor, and eventually out into the plant and the air. William Wittick lives across the river. I heard a uh, very loud noise uh, that sounded like uh, a uh, huge release of uh, steam, and uh, I looked out the window. It was it was dark, but you could see from the lights over there that there was a geyser of steam that was uh, raising up in the air. Mike Janowski was working inside. Didn't see anything, didn't hear anything. All you hear is the turbine trip and down she comes and they announce it and away you go. Workers were evacuated, the plant was completely shut down. A crew from the Nuclear Regulatory Commission rushed from Washington and sped around all day testing for radiation. Workers in their cars were checked and rechecked for radiation. Some was found. Late today in Washington, the NRC said, quote, there's a hell of a lot of radiation in the reactor building, adding that radiation had penetrated the four-foot-thick walls of that building and was detected as far as one mile away. Officials of Metropolitan Edison conceded some workers may have been contaminated, but they insisted this was not a serious accident. They said only one-tenth the amount of radiation needed for a general alarm escaped. Why, then, was a general alarm sounded and not until three hours later? Company officials said just to be safe. But state officials were upset that they weren't told of the accident earlier. If there is a situation where there was a perception of an emergency and the Pennsylvania Emergency Management Agency and Council were not notified, we intend to find that out. That would be extremely disturbing. We will make a thorough investigation into that. Officials say they still don't know what caused the malfunction that triggered the general alarm. They say the only thing they're certain of is this, that there'll be an investigation and that this nuclear power plant won't reopen until they're sure it's safe. Bettina Gregory, ABC News, Three Mile Island, near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> well, my friends, it's understandable if you're not able to finish your meatloaf. Uh, you heard Bettina Wright. Around 4 a.m., the unit number two reactor of the Three Mile Island nuclear power plant experienced a malfunction. A valve that was meant to be closed was left open or that valve somehow failed to close. Either way, water that was supposed to be contained and act as a coolant for the TMI-2 nuclear reactor core leaked out of said hole, spilling more than 30,000 gallons of radioactive water into the unprotected auxiliary building. Put a pin in that. We're going to get back to that water. As the coolant drained away, the core still hot from doing all of its fission-y stuff, was left exposed and subsequently overheated, with temperatures in the reactor soaring to 2,371 degrees Celsius, or 4,300 degrees Fahrenheit. A general emergency was announced three hours later. An investigation is underway. Oh, and P.S., the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the NRC, was like, yeah, radiation was able to penetrate the four-foot-thick walls of the building and was detected a mile away, but don't worry. We're on it and seen. That was the news that day. And my puzzled business goose, you're probably thinking the same thing everyone from the residents of Harrisburg to the west coast of the United States were thinking. Is this a meltdown? Yeah, uh, and what the fuck happened that an emergency was sounded three hours later? Well, 
there's some good news and bad news here. Um, and in proper, well, that's interesting fashion, the good news is just okay. <laughs> it's just okay. Um, this wasn't a Chernobyl situation per se, but I do have to tell you, in 1982, three years later, when shit was cool enough to melt, not to melt a robotic camera, uh, that device was lowered into unit number two and it was discovered, quote, 50% of the core was destroyed or molten. And something in the order of 20 tons of uranium found its way to the bottom of the pressure vessel, end quote, from AtomicArchive.com. Also, on the seven-point international nuclear event scale, yes, that's a thing, uh, this was rated a number, I'm sorry, a level five, or an accident with wider consequences. So it's five out of seven. That's, that's a great Google rating. Uh, it's up there. But not a meltdown, technically. Anyway, <laughs> here's the bad news. Yeah, this is the bad news. And in proper, well, that's interesting fashion. The bad news is face palmy as fuck. As the NRC's investigation began, it kicked off with what I like to call a just-in-case announcement. On March 30th, pregnant women and school-aged children were advised to leave the surrounding area. Now, if you heard that and you're neither one of these, but you're thinking, fuck that, I'm leaving too, you wouldn't be alone. More than 140,000 people hauled ass, making their exodus as the world waited to hear what the fuck happened here. Six weeks after the event took place, we would get an answer. Hold on to your cheeks. <laughs> In the wee hours of March 28th, a valve was open. Remember that? And water, lots of it, began to pool outside the reactor core. Well, my friends, it's time to unpin that pin. Long story short, the escaped contained water of the TMI number two nuclear reactor core condensed into radioactive gases which spread throughout the plant. Whatever water that remained inside the hot as fucked core uh, began to turn into steam, itself becoming a monstrous radioactive gas cloud which compounded the situation. We will get into the specifics of this soon, but for now, the water outside the core converting into gas was the immediate problem forcing employees to don respirators, face masks, and hazard suits. This began a series of miscommunication, and at times a complete lack of communication, as they were simply unable to talk to or hear one another. As the steam continued to pump out of Unit 2, muted orders to evacuate the control room for the adjacent control room of Unit Number 1 were barely heard. Only a handful of operators did so, and those who evacuated broke the cardinal rule of emergencies. They left the doors open. As the gases expanded and spread, eventually to outside the fucking plant itself through a series of open vents, the operators that remained in control room number two to combat the situation continued to hear what was described as gurgles and thumps within the core, making them believe the noises meant there was still water inside it, right? There's still water inside. The water level gauge also reported a full tank, confirming their suspicions, but those sounds were actually the generator boiling dry, and the gauge had no way of identifying what substance the tank was filled with, only that it was full. Now, you and I know it's full of steam, but at the time, the staff was like, dude, it's full of water. Look, it's got to be full of water. Vibrations followed, which alarmed the staff so much they decided to shut the pumps, which controlled the speed of coolant 
out of fear that those pumps might get damaged and even overflow the system. It was thought at the time that natural circulation would continue the water's movement, but whatever water was left inside the reactor had converted into more steam, as the reactor now had reached thousands of degrees. By 6.15 a.m., roughly two hours after the accident, the, water, the level of water in the reactor had dropped below the level of the core. Unknown to operators, at 6.15, the core was now uncovered with its bare, naked, radioactive ass to the world. Now, at this point, <laughs> you may be asking yourself, did any alarms go off? Uh, that is a good question. Yeah, yeah, um, not one, not two, not 57 or 67, I'm talking 100 alarms, over 100 alarms with similar tones went off in the control room during the first few minutes. Now, my friends, <laughs> this is chaos. This is just bad design. And I ask you, which ones would you focus on first? That is, if you can tell them apart as, they'll, as they're all blaring. Edward Frederick and Craig Faust, two control room operators, had no fucking idea. But they, they tried their best to keep up and troubleshoot just what is the main problem here and where are these gases coming from. But time was not on their side. At 6.45 a.m., about two and a half hours after the start of uh, the problem, Radiation alarms joined the chorus, having been activated when the contaminated water pooled so fucking high it reached detectors. However, after two and a half hours, shit was way too late. Quote, By that time, the radiation levels in the primary coolant water were around 300 times expected levels, and the general containment building was seriously contaminated. End quote. From the wiki. Uh, oh, by the way, <laughs> I forgot to mention this point. Um, while this was all happening, there was a fucking shift change at 6 a.m. <laughs> yes, people walked into this situation, <laughs> which means no one was told to stay away. And I'm sure having new folks fresh off the parking lot uh, really helped the whole uh, communication thing. Yeah, can you imagine walking to work and there's over 100 alarms going off? <laughs> We're laughing now, but no. Um, okay, by 7.24 a.m., this wasn't getting any better, and a general emergency was declared at the TMI number 2 reactor core, and the site began to be evacuated. My friends, here's the fucking kicker. Yeah, now. Now is the kicker. Uh, remember when I said they shut those pumps off and thought gravity and physics would take its natural course? Like, running water will know what to do and where to flow. The investigation showed that two crucial feed water valves, which allow emergency cooling water to flow to the reactor, had been closed. So water couldn't get in there to begin with to help keep the reactor from overheating. Now, I know what you're thinking, other than Jesus Christ, you may also be thinking, didn't anyone see the switch facing off? <laughs> My friends, I don't know. I don't know. In fact, I found the most bizarre explanation from a May 18th, 1979 Washington Post article titled, Nuclear Plant Operators Misread Data in Accident. Get this. Quote, 
an operator inadvertently blocked with his body the view of indicators that would have told him two crucial feedwater pump valves were closed. NRC sources explain that the operator <clears throat> was a big man with a large belly that hung over the instrument panel. End quote. Yeah, no. One, <laughs> that description did not age well. And two, I don't think that reason holds up, y'all. <laughs> because many people were at the plant that day. Granted, in a totally chaotic fucking situation, but multiple operators could have checked to see if those emergency valves were open. If they were, as so plainly stated by History.com, quote, left alone, these safety devices could have prevented the development of a larger crisis, end quote. In any case, <laughs> seven hours after this all started, finally, new water was pumped into what was called the primary loop. After 16 hours, the primary loop pumps were turned on once again, and the core temperature began to fall. Cleanup of this not-a-meltdown began in August of 1979 and officially ended in December 1993. You heard me. 1979 ended in 1993. It cost about $2 billion when adjusted for inflation. RIP unit number two. Now, if you're curious... What the fuck happened to unit number one? Well, you can't keep a good reactor down. It was restarted in 1985 and wasn't recently retired until 2019. Yeah. Its decommissioning and dismantling is expected to be complete in 2079. That's right, 2079, because slowly, just to make sure everything goes right, my fingers are crossed and I'm sucking in my gut just in case. After the break, this little piggy went to market, this little piggy stayed home, this little piggy had roast beef, and this little piggy is full of radiation. I'll explain. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, it's the time you've all been waiting for. It's time to bust out the Lederhosen and get slap happy. That's right, we're heading on over to the southeast chunk of Germany known as Bavaria. Now when I say chunk, I really mean it. The entire southeast region of Germany is the state of Bavaria, taking up about one-fifth the total size of the country. It shares borders with Switzerland and Austria and is a stone's throw away from Eastern European countries, including Ukraine, whose present day is not only tragic, but also its past. All I need to say is Chernobyl. 
Of course, fallout knows no borders, and the southeast of Germany was bespeckled with contamination after the incident as well. 37 years later, though, wild animals and the forests of Bavaria have made a remarkable comeback, nearly free of radioactivity, except for one species. My friends, it's my pleasure to introduce to you the Bavarian wild boar. That's right, please come on over to our social media stuffs, tap on today's post, brace yourself, and have a peek at these cuties. They're really cute. I want to squeeze them, but don't. Um, we'll get into it. Now, it's not their faces that got the attention of George Steinhauser and colleagues over at Leibniz University in Hanover and the Vienna University of Technology. It's their high levels of radiation that got their attention. These boars are just bursting with the stuff, despite the general trend of every other creature in the area whose levels are declining. Now, if you're like George and the gang, you're probably thinking it's high fucking time we figure out what's going on here. So let's begin. On one hand, we know Chernobyl may be playing some part here. Cesium-137, which is used in nuclear reactors like Chernobyl, takes about 30 years for its levels to be halved. That's what's known as its half-life. So technically, cesium-137 should be hanging around, but gauging at least half of its original levels. On the other hand, is a rumor. Martin Steiner, a scientist at the German Federal Office for Radiation Protection, said in an interview with the New York Times that he had long known that, quote, significant radiation from mid-20th century nuclear weapons testing remained in the environment. End quote. Yeah, you heard Marty right. It's possible their radiation isn't caused by the recent event of Chernobyl, but by the Cold War's nuclear bomb testing extravaganza. I, I know, I know, that sounds crazy, like for a number of reasons. Uh, one, that happened decades ago, y'all. And two, these boars were born generations later. And three, why the fuck aren't other animals reporting the same levels then? right? Great questions. So let's put this to the test, shall we? Well, luckily we don't have to. See, George and the gang already did. Between 2019 and 2021, researchers analyzed 48 boar carcasses killed by hunters across 11 Bavarian districts. Now, to figure out whether our special piggies were affected by Chernobyl or Dr. Strangelove, researchers looked at the ratio of cesium-135 to 137. Now, what the fuck does that mean? Don't worry, I've got you. Remember, 137 is used in power plants, but 135 is associated with nuclear weapons explosions. And get this, it has a half-life of 2.3 million years. Yeah, million with an M. So if you thought 30 years was a long time to wait for radiation to cool down, uh, not at all. Nuclear weapons are just fucking horrific, all around. Just nobody wins. Anyway, and in sum, if there's a higher ratio of 135 to 137, that would indicate nuclear weapons are the source, while a low ratio would suggest nuclear reactors. Oh, and here is a wild, wild fun fact about the study. Okay, hold on to your cheeks. And really everything, all body parts. Researchers didn't compare the boar samples to just any cesium-135 and 137 isotopes. Quote, 
They compared the isotopic fingerprint of the boar meat samples with soil samples from Fukushima and Chernobyl, as well as from historical human lung tissue collected in Austria. End quote from Jacqueline Kwan of LiveScience.com. That's right, my friends, human lung tissue. Exposed to nuclear weapons testing during the Cold War in the 1960s, still ripe with 135, was used in this uber-recent study. Holy shit. So, when compared to the soil samples and the human samples, what did researchers find? Drum roll, please. Thank you in the back. Quote, actually no quote, 88%. (laughs) 88% of all samples exceeded the German limit for radioactive cesium. What a start right out the door. Also, please don't eat any boar from Bavaria. Just, just, I recommend do not. And finally, what may not be a surprise to hear after all we just mentioned about cesium-135, between 10% and 68% of contamination came from nuclear weapons testing. Yeah, up to 68%. Please, we need a round of applause. High fives all around. Good job, team. Humans, fuck yeah. Now, (laughs) I bet, I bet you have a few questions like, how? How in the holy hell is a bomb from like 60 years ago messing with a boar from 2019? That's just another great question. I've got you. This is really a quote. Quote, Professor Steinhauser said that a crucial element to the mystery was a fungus or deer truffles that boars dig up and eat, but other wildlife ignores. Although many other edible fauna are no longer significantly contaminated, the truffles, which grow inches below the Earth's surface, store radiation particularly well. Depending on the soil composition and how deep the truffles are, the fungi can be exposed to water containing decades-old radiation from both the nuclear tests and the Chernobyl disaster, making them a particularly rich source of radiation. End quote from Christopher F. Schelsa of the New York Times. I nailed that. So there you have it, my very tired business goose. The more than 500 atmospheric nuclear bomb tests conducted by the world's superpowers decades ago are still very much present. If you're feeling sad about this, just remember, invasive wild boars are pretty much taking over North America. And they're making pigloos across Canada. I know. I think they deserve it. Please check out InBetweeny105 if you haven't had a listen and you have no idea what a pigloo is. It's it's a pigloo. (laughs) And thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about the Three Mile Island disaster. Uh, Valves, y'all. Holes. Holes, y'all. Some should be open. Some should be be closed. (laughs) the German wild boars. Oh God, and big old thanks to the non-radioactive folks over at Airwave Media, the podcast network to which WTI belongs. Now, if you love this show, you're going to love the other podcasts in this family. So please stay interesting.